Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Hey, big welcome to Steve. Let's give him a Huntley Kilda. Big welcome. Uh, who knows Steve? Cool, cool. Steve, um, Steve's had a lot to do with Huntley uh, farming around the area um, f- since the mid '90s, and uh, has has finished up farming a few years ago, and is the uh, camp director at Christian Youth Camps in Narawhia, uh, a proud, uh, strong history of a campsite there, serving generations. And uh, Steve's looking after umpteen staff and. Um, and the ones that work there. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, stoked to have you here. So yeah, God bless. Thanks for coming and um, looking forward to hearing from you. So cheers. Over to you. Cool. I do feel a bit of a fraud kind of being a guest speaker in Huntley. But, but you know, I guess if you stay away long enough, eventually you can come back as a guest, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it, that's the problem. It really doesn't lie. And um, I was thinking when I was sitting there, I was thinking, well, since I last spoke here, I've gotten slightly fatter and a whole lot greyer. Um, and other than that, uh, probably learned a few things and um, and maybe not learned enough. That would probably not fast enough. Gee. So, yeah, does anyone know Christian Youth Camp in Narawhia? Yeah, so many people know where it is, if not have, having been there quite a lot of times. And um, I grew up as a kid going there as a, as a camper, and now I have the privilege of going back and um, and having a little bit to do with running it. And I don't know if we've got some photos, hopefully. There we go. So um, we're doing a bit of work to the camp. It's uh, 60-something years old now, and it's needing a lot of work. We spent about 800 grand on that thing in the last, well, less than 12 months. And it could do with another million dollars, but the only problem is we don't have another million dollars. So we're going to have to pretty much stop fixing things. But um, that first slide is the old chapel, which we actually started knocking down. And the second one is Camp uh, 1, where we've set up a fire pit, which we didn't have before, and a whole new deck area down below the, the main camp. And um, that just gives you a little bit of an idea. If you haven't seen camp for a while, it's changing a little bit. Um, it's getting a whole lot of new paint, it's had new kitchens, it's got a new roof on the gymnasium, and that's kind of the, where all the money's gone. But um, I often get people now kind of second take and go, oh, you're the guy that's now running the Christian youth camp, CYC in Narawaki. And, and, um, and I have a real struggle with that because I don't really run much of anything. Um, in fact, uh, that's probably just as well. So I kind of just help the team. And, um, and yeah, I find it really amusing, actually. It took me a long time to take the label even as director because it just didn't quite like seem like a fit. But um, I really couldn't run the camp by myself. So over summer, we have 15 full-time staff, and I'm just part of that. Uh, and, in fact, a lot of the people that come to camp, they never even get to see me. Uh, I'm stuck in the office. And, uh, you know, I might be making decisions or whatever, but um, they might see those decisions, but they're not actually seeing me. And um, in actual fact, I have people that regularly come to the camp, they're quite surprised when they get to meet me because they're like, oh, you know, I thought this other guy ran it or that other guy ran it or this other guy ran it. And, uh, and that's kind of the way it should be because that's the way that a team should work. Um, now, it needs a good leader, 
but without good team members, you've not got a team. So, all right. I'm going to just fall up the floor with this. You ever seen me speak before? It's straight over my shoulder. The problem is in this world, most of the world doesn't run particularly well. It doesn't have good teams. It doesn't have good teams in families. It doesn't have good teams at school. It doesn't have good teams at work. And basically, it's a bit broken. And, uh, and I mean, hands up, who's been lonely in their lives before? Yeah. And that's kind of because things aren't working well as in the team, right? Yeah. We, we end up being, you know, these independent people. And, and I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. We have lots of young people that we deal with, obviously, at camp. And they go, and, and this is my favorite pet hate. They go, I'm a strong and independent woman. They go, really? Aren't you like 12? <laughs> you know? And, and then I get, I get people who are 18 and 20 who say the same, same thing. I even get them at 20 whatever, 25, 28. I'm a strong, independent woman. You know, and put man in there, but it seems to be the woman who liked this phrase better. But, and I, but aren't you still living at home? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Um, we're not really sure what this stuff means anymore, you know, but we think somehow we have to be strong and individual, right? And, um, and I just don't get it because really aren't we just faking it? Yeah. I mean, who is really independent? I mean, we're, lots of us are lonely because we're not in a great team, but we're actually not terribly independent. And I couldn't help but think of Adam in the garden. So Adam was the first man that God created. And God put him in this perfect place, the Garden of Eden. And he's there, and he's got the perfect creation around him. And he's lonely. He's got face-to-face communion with God on a regular basis, and he's lonely. And the thing is, we were made to be in connection with other people. And uh, we should have a verse. I'm, I'm going to leave this clicker alone. Um, didn't put the right verse up there, did I? Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, that one will work way better. <laughs> and the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a suitable helper for him. You know, God made us with this need for communion and this need for a team, for need for people to be around us. And without that, we're just going to be incredibly lonely and not coping with our lives. God designed us to need proper connection with himself and proper connection with other people, or we fall apart. And I don't really understand it because I come from the position of being a Christian most of my life. But given the opportunity for people to have relationship with God, most of the time they try and do everything they can to fill that gap with something else. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or other human relationships, everything else they try and fill that gap with doesn't work. You know, I had um, a, a young woman that I met years and years ago, half a lifetime ago, and she said to me when I was talking to her one day that she had this problem. She just couldn't take the, the pain of the regret of her life, the pain of being lonely, and, um, and just 
feeling isolated anymore. And anyway, weeks later, she sent me a letter um, saying that she had worked out the problem. And the problem was she was letting the feelings of regret destroy her and that from now on she was never going to regret anything stupid she did again. And I kind of went, what the heck? So I wrote a very short letter back to her and explaining how perhaps instead of stop trying to stop regretting the things that she was doing, maybe she'd stop trying to do stupid stuff. I just... Um, you know, but she was trying to fill that gap. She was trying to fill the space in her life. She was trying to get relationships that would somehow fix the gap. And if we don't first join up with God and fill that part of our relationship, then nothing else that we try and do afterwards is going to work. You know, God did design us with need. Firstly, a need to be in connection and relationship with him. And secondly, to be in a connection and relationship with the people around us. And people are killing themselves at a crazy rate of knot in this country because they're not connected. You know, they, they kind of think they're connected. But honestly, how many people do they actually tell that they're struggling? You know, it's like the world's best kept secret that everybody knows and no one talks about, that we're actually all struggling. But, you know, we try and put up this wall and this, this picture of, of I've got it all together and we just kind of carry on a little bit, trying to carry the pain. And, um, and you know, until they've tried everything, until there's nothing left that'll dull the pain and they run out of hope and they consider ending it all. And the other option, if you don't want to end up killing yourself, is you end up trying to kill each other. Dead right. So I grabbed this off the internet. Um, so it must be true, right? It's off the internet. Um, Anyway, narcissists often portray an image of grandiosity and overconfidence. But this is only to cover up deep feelings of insecurity and fragile self-esteem. It's easily bruised by the slightest criticism. Now, of those 15 staff that I have at work at the moment, a bunch of them are young people. And they grew up in, in a different kind of world to what I grew up in. And um, so, you know, I knew my dad loved me because he'd stand like this close and yell and scream at me. And... Um, and, you know, the dumbest thing is, though, I never actually doubted that he did love me because he showed me in lots of other ways. But I can tell you, if you get a young person these days and shout at them about here, they pretty much think their life is over. Um, they will also call the cops too, by the way, so don't do it. Um, but, but you know, it's a different world. And, um, you know, I, I, grew, I grew up camping at, at Christian Youth Camp and... Um, and hands up, who knows Ben Harrison? Yeah. Anyone had Ben Harrison yell at them? There's a couple of hands. <laughs> yeah. So, so I felt right at home. <laughs> so, um, but you can't run a camp like that these days, and you can't talk to young people like that. And um, what worked back then and worked really well, actually, um, it doesn't work now because these people think they've had their heart destroyed, <laughs> you know, especially if you tell them they didn't do a good job. It's like, but that can't be true. I almost like gave it fifty percent, and you know, and, and this is seriously what we get from from the people nowadays. It's a different generation, um, and they're bruised by the slightest criticism. 
Because of these traits, narcissists find themselves in shallow relationships that only serve to satisfy their constant need for attention. And how did this happen? Because educators and parents started telling their children how special and unique they are to make them feel more confident. Anyone had anything to do with American young people in the last, let's say, zero to five years? I can tell you, if you think it's bad here, you want to try it over there. Um, you know, because they will get up, a young person will get up and tell you how wonderful they are. That's their credentials. And, and how do they know? Because somebody else told them they were. They got nothing to base it on except for somebody else's opinion. But, um, parents tried to confer self-esteem upon their children rather than letting them achieve it through hard work. The problem is that along with not learning real self-esteem through hard work, they haven't learnt real relationship either. And it's why people try and find almost you know, love at any cost. That need to be needed. That need to be loved. That need to be part of a functioning team. You know, the way that we actually live shows up the lie that doesn't fool anyone. We need to fill our lives for meaningful connection. You know, everybody wants to be an individual, but you don't actually have to struggle very hard to be alone and to be an individual. That's pretty easy to do. It actually takes really hard work to be part of a team. Now, hands up, who's married? Right. Is being part of a good functioning marriage easy? It's not. It takes effort. It takes a lot of effort. It doesn't always go well. My wife just left the room, so I can say that. <laughs> you know, we're 24-odd years, whatever, um, and it actually takes hard work. But if you don't have that part of your team working, you know, so who's been in a marriage when you've been struggling? There's hands going up. That's just because they're not honest. You know that, eh? And, um, and it's really hard. Suddenly everything starts to not work properly. And if we don't have that connection, you don't have to be married to have that kind of connection, but if you don't have that connection with the people around you, you're going to struggle. You know what I found? I always kind of knew this, but I found certainly in the last almost three years of helping out at CYC is um, I have this amazing knack to make young women cry. I don't have to get up in their face and yell at them. I'm sure that would work. I haven't tried. But all I have to do is three words. Are you okay? And that's about all you've got to say these days, and you start to get tears. Because A, someone's noticed, and B, that someone's realized they're not okay. And why are we getting tears so easily when you ask that question? And it's because they're not connected to people, not, not in a meaningful way. They have a bunch of friends. I mean, you look at their Facebook and, you know, 300 and whatever of them, or maybe 8,000 of them, or, you know, some other crazy number. I mean, um, you know, hands up who, when they get a friend request, they go, oh, that's sort of a friend of two of my other friends. But if, you know, I don't really know them, but if I click accept, then that's one more on my list. It's a bit dumb, you know? 
So people have lots and lots of friends, but no meaningful connections. And it's, it's part of my job that, that is kind of exciting in the way because it's nice to be able to help people, but it's also kind of crazy depressing when you sit down with a young lady from a good family and you just say, so, you know, so, okay, so things aren't cool. Uh, how's it going? What's wrong? And, you know, half an hour later, they're still rattling off a list of stuff and they don't feel connected to their parents or their siblings or their friends. And they go this place and they get teased and they go that place and they get teased and they look online and all they're getting is told that they're not very cool or that they're actually ugly or whatever else. Because they haven't got anyone that looks them in the eyes that have a meaningful connection that actually says, you know, I love you, I want to be your friend, I think you're okay. And it's no wonder they're suicidal. So we need God. And we need the connections that he's designed us to have. Um, we'll take a punt at which verses come up next, shall we? Yeah, we'll go back there. So everything we do comes from God, right from just our first breath every morning. In fact, there's a whole Jewish concept that um, when you wake up, it's like being reborn, and you're meant to thank God for that, that new breath as you wake up in the morning. We cannot do anything without God. And yet we try and do everything without God. We're not as worried about our, with our connection with him as we are our connection with our 382 followers on Facebook or Instagram. And we don't rely on him for even our next breath, which should be obvious. And so we try and have these relationships to fill this gap again. And we wonder why we sort of keep struggling. And if we don't fix our relationship with God, how are we supposed to have a good, meaningful relationship with another human being? So I think the first thing we need to start to do is to actually be purposeful. And, and I think I can be bold enough to say that um, we're probably not getting it right and a lot of us are maybe more religious and more spiritual and we've been in the church for ages and we can kind of go, well, you know, I have this relationship with God. And the only question I ask is, could it be better? Could we be spending more time in prayer? Could we be spending more time just listening to God? Could we spend more time having him speak into our life the positive stuff? that we actually need to hear, that we are okay, that we are loved, that we are accepted. Because if we don't hear the stuff from God, then we're not going to be able to get a meaningful relationship with another human being. You know, I think it's why people take every word that they read about themselves online so seriously, because they're not having God speak into their lives. Um, and, you know, it's the first thing I ask young people when they, 
they go, oh, you know, and people say I'm fat and, and I'm ugly and I'm not smart. And I say, well, what does God say about you? And, I say, and they go, I don't know. And they're often people that have been brought up in the church. So it's not that they're away from God, but they don't even know what God says about them. And so they've got nothing to attach relationship to. And so they keep trying to have meaningless relationships. But a bunch of meaningless relationships don't add up to one meaningful one. It's just a bunch of meaningless relationships. And, you know, through the Bible, people didn't try and do this stuff by themselves. Not the successful ones, at any rate. Um, who was... I'm going to take a punt. It's just a chance to see if you guys agree with me. Who was the most famous king of Israel? David. Yeah. Okay. So he wasn't the first king. He was the second king. But he's kind of the one that, if you're into reading the Old Testament, he's the one that comes to, to mind. And you kind of, I don't know, I used to guess see him as an individual. King David. You know, took down Goliath by himself. And yet David didn't get there by himself. David had a pile of people around him. And so he was chased from pillar to post for a while by King Saul, the first king of Israel. And wherever he went, King David had a bunch of people with him. Started off as a reasonably small group of people. But eventually it grew to 600. And that's not a bad little entourage when you're running. You know, most of the time, if you want to hide, you kind of hide in small groups. Uh, I would have thought 600 would have been reasonably easy to find. But he didn't actually do this whole thing by himself. God didn't ask him to do it by himself. David didn't try and do it by himself. And if you read scripture, there's this cool stuff where not only were these 600 soldiers, you know, with him the whole time, they were the best soldiers. And of those 600, there were 30 of which were outstanding. And of the 30, there were three that did crazy things like kill 800 people, one person at a time, one guy. Another guy killed 300, um, as the Bible says. These guys are outstanding part of David's team. One day when David was thirsty, David having grown up in the village of Bethlehem, said, you know what, I'd really like a drink out of the well of Bethlehem. It's so cool and it tastes so good. And so two of his soldiers fought their way into Bethlehem that was currently held by the, the opposing team, fought their way in, drew water from the well and fought their way out just so they could give David a drink. That's a committed team, Yeah. And um, I don't even know how you do that. I mean, it's one thing to fight your way through lines, but how do you draw water and protect yourself at the same time? It's a well. It takes effort. I mean, one guy draws and the other guy fights off the thousand people. You know, um, But this, that's, that's what they did for him. That was part of the team that David had around him. And if you look at David's life, what was the biggest mistake he made? He made a few, actually. Taking another man's wife, Bathsheba. Yeah. Where were his army at the time? Doing what they were meant to be doing, doing what David was meant to be doing. The one time he wasn't round his men was the time he screwed up. 
And, you know, if that's not an example of what a good team does or a lack of a good team achieves, then I don't know what else is. You know, I wouldn't get far without the team that I work with. And I start first with my wife and my kids who are wearing CYC merch. That's because they, they have to work there too. And um, and the team of staff and my friends who keep me accountable and the people who pray for me, people who pray for CYC, and they're all part of that team. And... Um, and, you know, without it, we're sunk. So you have 500 kids get off buses. If you don't have a team that's working well, then they're either not going to get fed or the rooms aren't going to be ready or the power's going to go off. And when other things do go wrong, if you don't have a good team around you, then there's no one there to put it all back together. And this is why we need a good team. What can you achieve with a team? Jesus gave us the best example. How many people did he start with on his team? Just 12. How big's the team now? Who knows? Quite a lot larger. How much of the world has that team covered and told people about the Lord? It's it's not a bad effort. I think we've probably not done quite everything that God wants us to do yet, but it's not a bad team to be part of. Just starting off with 12. So don't live your lives alone. You know, so another thing I notice a heap at camp is um, you have to be like two or three days into camp and you start having the little eight, 12-year-olds come up to you and go, do I have to go home? And you get the teenagers come up to us and go, can I just stay here? Sometimes I wish they could because you know what their home life is like and their background and other things. But why do they want to stay at camp? I don't even want to stay at camp half the time. So They want to stay at camp because they're starting to feel part of a team. They're starting to work together. They're starting to feel loved and built up by the people around them. They're starting to feel supported and needed and wanted. And that's the way it should be in a good team. Be careful who you surround yourself with as part of that team. When I'm looking to employ people, I don't look to employ someone that I think I can control and mould and make do what I want. I deliberately look for people who might actually buck against me a little bit. And I always look for people that are smarter than I am. Because I don't want to be the smartest person in the room when I'm trying to run camp. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. I want to, the only smart thing I want to have done is employed the people that are smarter than me. I don't want to be the most talented in the room. I don't want to be the only one that understands how things work, especially when it comes to accounts. When you're looking to pick friends to become part of your team, 
don't pick people that are going to drag you down. Pick people that are going to build you up and lift you up. You know, if you want to succeed at school or work or in any part of you know your life, find the smartest people in the room and hang out with them. Find the hardest working ones and hang out with those people. Should be the second to last verse. Second to last slide too, probably. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So have you noticed a trend as I'm going along? I'm reminding you about being in relationship with God and relationship with other people. If we don't get this first bit right and be in relationship with God, then we can do nothing. Well, nothing of meaning at any rate. We can make a pretty good job of stuffing up our lives. But if you're not in communion and relationship as part of God's team, then we can do nothing. Jesus called the disciples, and he's calling us the same way, to become part of his team. To not have to always feel quite so lonely. To not feel that there's no hope. And if that's the one thing I can tell young people that come to camp, is that God wants you to be part of his team so that he can be in relationship with you and as part of that team so that he can build people around you so that you aren't alone anymore. And the last verse. Make sure it's the right one. Yeah. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do I want to do another little hands up? Who feels like you're having life to the full? You know, I've got to say I'm, I'm not where I want to be on that scale. And it's because, why? Because I don't have enough money in the bank? Or because I haven't gone skydiving lately? Or because I haven't had three weeks off in Barbados? Or... It's about relationships. It's about being part of that team, feeling needed and feeling wanted. And so if I can just encourage you guys, just um, get on God's team. And I think if we've been on God's team for a long time, let's review how we're doing. Um, if we've got it all together, awesome. How many people are we taking with us then? How are we doing on that one? What's our impact for God? And I don't mean you have to be up the front or running some ministry or some other thing like that. How about the people that we bump into on a daily basis? How are they doing? Are they part of God's team? You know, how about that person that we see in the corner that you know is struggling? Are we reaching out to them? Because they're probably lost, lonely and alone 
because they're not part of God's team. So I, I hope I've encouraged you this, this evening. I, um, I just see so many hurting people in the job that I do that just want to be part of something. And the problem is, if they're not part of God's team, they'll become part of some other team. And it's not going to be a good thing. So yeah, maybe that's not so much about teamwork, but um, at least about needing to know which team we need to be on. To be in relationship with God and relationship with those other people around us. So, cool. Shall I just pray? and Lord, we thank you that you'll use even us as part of your team. Lord, we're not always the best speakers and not always the best prepared, not always the um, most eloquent words. And Lord, often as we sit down beside someone who's struggling, there's no words to say anyhow. But Lord, we thank you that you came alongside us. You made us part of your team. You've reminded us that you love us. Lord, can we share that love with the people around us? Can we expand the size of the team? Can we teach other people what it means to work as a group that actually love and care for each other? That we can look out for those beside us that need a helping hand, that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And Lord, bring healing into our own hearts so that we can help other people. And we pray this week as we go out that we just be our eyes open for those around us, those in fractured relationships that, that need to know that there is an answer, that need to know there is hope. We just pray that you would give us the boldness and the faith to be that answer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us 